In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Pray with me. O God, may the words that proceed from my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you this day, this Christmas Eve. Amen. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves." This is an excerpt from Genesis. There have been massive amounts of scholarly work done on the relationship between Eve, the mother of humanity, and Mary, the mother of God. Crafty little metaphors have come to fuse the union of the two, such that Eve came to bear the sin of humankind, and Mary came to bear the one to redeem that sin. These two women have almost become the yin and the yang of creation, upsetting the cosmos, yet balancing it one again into harmony, both by the things that they bear. Eve's story may not be one that comes to mind on Christmas Eve, 
It's even marginally overlooked in the lessons and carols text that we heard so beautifully last week. Now, sometimes her story will get inserted into a sermon or two right around this time, but it's usually as it relates to sin because it's the birth of the Savior of the world that we celebrate at this time. But if we look closely, as I'll suggest today, Eve's story may actually be what is unfolding around us in our Christmas season. And I'm not talking about sinfulness exactly. I'm talking about giving. When the cultural Christmas season is upon us, which is usually Thanksgiving to New Year, churches begin their conversations around the commercialization of Christmas. While rumors about the end of Black Friday circulate and Amazon Prime boosts its sales, people begin their yearly wondering and wrestling of how involved they plan to be that year with the commercial push of Christmas. It doesn't help that churches usually seem to preach giving and selflessness and then condemn the act of engaging in the commercial frenzy to give. Gives a mixed message, actually. Attempts are usually made to villainize materialism. We don't need more stuff, we say. But let me remind us that a good part of this consumeristic frenzy is not for satisfying our own individual wants. In actuality, it's a frenzy to give. Now, as a minister, I can't deny the gospel message to give because just three chapters over from what Jean read for us today, Jesus says to give someone your shirt also if they take your cloak and says to give to all that beg to you. But as a reader of Eve's story, I can't help but recognize the danger in giving. Eve. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate and she also gave some to her husband and he ate. While it is advantageous that both of those two words occur in this passage, the real give and take is in the exchange with the serpent. She took the serpent's scheming comments about her free will, and she gave her husband the gift that she had discovered. By taking and giving here in this story, she turns the gaze of freedom inwardly toward herself. In essence... She no longer needed a world that she lived in of God's goodness, gifted to her by God. Instead, she lived in a world of her own goodness, those things that she deemed good as opposed to bad. To make a tangential point here, I must say that the serpent did not lie. In this case, the couple became like God or God's as the wording in the passage suggests. And she could tell good from evil, it seemed. They did not, however, become God. And their attempts to ascend to God's status, they brought in an economic framework that looks much like the one we see around us here at Christmas time. It's what economists call a barter economy. Now, in a barter economy, 
Goods are exchanged based on a value system. For example, I give you 10 chickens, you give me one goat. A covenant is typically found in this exchange based on societal norms and mores. I see that this exchange operates on a give-give relationship. I give you something because it is owed to you for what you have given to me. Because of the uh, expectations of a barter economy, we don't just use the word give, we also use the word take. I take it from you because you owe it to me. Both give and take are necessary. The societal pressure, however, is mostly wrapped up in the giving because the taking is already there with the request that we have given. Eve takes the message of the serpent and gives it action. After taking a bite of the fruit that supposedly would make her like God, she now has the godly power of bestowing this knowledge to another human. In essence, she now has the power to gift something of value to another. Now, the point of intersection that I find with our story of Christmas and the story of Eve is that we, too, try to become like God in our giving, only falling short like Eve. We say, oh, we don't need anything. We're self-sustaining, so I'll just give. But what we actually mean by that is a fear, a fear that we might show a lower moral grounding for not denying our own sufficiency. Or more probable, we want to show that someone has power over us for giving us something better than we cannot give in return. Let me clarify. We don't want to show that someone has power over us for giving us something better than we can give in return. Our gift exchanges are based on an equal value system. Moving through this world of give and take makes us like God's little g as we try to live our lives into a certain path. We expend our energies everywhere. We give our time and our energies to civic clubs, to volunteer work, to family matters, We give attention to finances and to bills, and we give, 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 because it's demanded or taken from us. But there is another approach, another economic model that may speak to our situation, and it's called a gift economy. It's a system of exchange that is not based on value and has no agreement for future rewards or exchanges. The verbiage here with this economy is not give and take, but rather it is receive. This receive is not simply just an English synonym for take. Receive is more evangelical and numinous. It is to internally accept the good or the gift to a point that its reality becomes our own. The disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Abraham received the promise that God had given him. In this approach, we come to this gift with palms up, ready to soak in the influence in our lives. According to the principles of this economy, there is no demanded parallel action. There is no give 
equivalent. It simply suggests that the response is tied up in the living with and living into the gift after it's been received. It can be characterized as a receive relationship with the act of response just embedded into the word. Now, this is not to say that the exchange is one-sided. Rather, this exchange is done by living. So it works here in two ways. We give without the expectation of a return. You and I, friends, are pretty good at that. But the harder part is not expecting to give after we have received something. To give after we have received is easy. To receive something is difficult. Can we even fathom what it looks like to give something to someone and not expect anything in return? Even more so, can we expect or even fathom that this year, if someone gave us something, that we not gift them anything back? But Mary, Mary has done just that. Mary was given one of the greatest gifts known to humankind. She was to participate in the ushering in of the Savior. Mary heard the good news from the angel, and after pondering the request, she simply received the gift. She internalized it. We see this in her response where she says, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be. We also see this through the lovely song that she recites sometime afterwards called the Magnificat, the song that we said together just before I came up here. Mary's giving back was intrinsic to her receiving. She gave of herself simply by living into the promise. Now, if Mary had taken the message instead of receiving it, she would have brought about a new economic paradigm, the one that Eve lived into. Could you imagine how different this story would have been if she had taken the message and given it action? She may have pulled a few pieces of lingerie out of her closet and gotten Joseph a little more involved instead of accepting the script of the Holy Spirit's contribution. She simply lived. She did not assume the power of God, even though that God would physically become part of her. And in her receiving... She did not seek to give back in value what she had been given, nor did she decide to resent what she could not give back in value. Rather, she became a vessel of the work of the Holy Spirit. In essence, she became a womb which nourishes the Spirit of God. Mary's example of receiving has even outshone much of the church because she has received the person of Eve, as opposed to taking her story and giving her the identity of one who has condemned the world to death. Mary points no finger at Eve or her character like we would anticipate her to do. Rather, she simply sings the praises of God for being faithful to Israel and focuses on the Savior who is coming for reconciliation to all. This is best depicted in Grace Remington's painting, Virgin Mary Consoles Eve, which is printed on the front of your bulletin for your reflection. 
Mary's gesture communicates to Eve that the Savior is coming for both of them. In the poem that accompanies the artwork called O Eve, author's sister Columbia Guare reflects, My mother, my daughter, life-giving Eve, do not be ashamed, do not grieve. The former things have passed away. Our God has brought us to this new day. See, I am with child, through whom all will be reconciled. O Eve, my sister, my friend, we will rejoice together forever, life without end. Like the message that came to Mary and Eve, we have been brought the good news of great joy on this Christmas Eve. The message of Jesus Christ, our Savior, as gift. How will we accept this gift? We could take it and ponder on how we might be able to give back to the body of Christ, comparing our contribution of value to the amount that others in our congregation might be giving, just so that we can do our part. But in that choice, we find ourselves as individuals and a community of believers that make it our mission to give. And pretty soon, in that case, we forget the beauty of the vulnerability in receiving something that we could never, never repay. Or in a second choice, perhaps, in our mere rawness, we squirm and turn inside, realizing that we do not have the power to reciprocate the gift. And after all, we cannot become God in our giving. My hope for you through your holiday festivities is that you have the chance to receive a gift. Perhaps it is a physical object that you cannot reciprocate in terms of value. And through that exchange, perhaps you experience a bit of the humbling awe of the gift of God Emmanuel with us in this world. But perhaps the gift that you come to receive is one that cannot be wrapped, one that brings you to the realization of the great immenseness of the presence of God in our lives. Perhaps, like Mary, it's a calling on your life that you surrender to. Maybe it's the gift of settling with yourself that's been given and taken for so long over the years, trying to perfect it. Maybe it's the gift of grace, knowing that no matter what we do, there is no action that we can return a gift like that. But God loves us in spite of that. Or maybe after all, it is simply that love, a love that extends from a baby in a manger that allows our strength excuse me, strange spiritual practices to have deep meaning. Whatever it is, may you receive the gift wholeheartedly. Pray with me. God, we confess that at times in our gift giving through our holiday season that we become like Eve, desiring that we could have value in the gifts that we give that we can have the same kind of God-likeness that we can give to others something that they may not even be able to reciprocate. We are thankful, though, for the gift of your Son. We ask that this Christmas season we could experience, God, 
the immense gift that we could never give back for the love that he has for us. God, we are thankful for Mary that she received the gift that you had for her. We pray, God, that we too can be vessels, wombs, if you will, for the Holy Spirit and the work of the kingdom in us. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.